And now, HG World presents The Gujis, Chapter 8. His shirts, layers. Christ. He's cold and pale. Was he injured in the fight? What? Was he bitten? Uh, well, not that I know. We've got to find out. Children, go straight to the kitchen. Stay there. But the monsters are loud in there. They're hitting the doors. Go. General Ying and the sergeant will protect you. Listen up. In about three seconds, this man will be completely naked. He's not breathing, I don't think. Draw your weapon, Major. What? I think he was infected. He's showing the signs. He may revive at any moment, and I don't want him sinking his teeth into me while I'm trying to help him. Got it. Shit. He didn't tell me he was injured. The man was shot four times and blown up. Other than that... Cannot get his pants off. Joe, help me. Knife. Nothing on his arms. His chest is clear. Nothing on his shoulders. Neck. Fingers. Check his lower half while I start CPR. You're going to go mouth to mouth? What if he... Chest massage only. Anything? No. Nothing. Nothing on his back. Or bottom. Lay him back. Good. No time for delicate hands. Fuck. Think. Think. Can't figure it out. What's wrong with you? Boss! He's back! Wait! Don't touch him. Get back. Grant, keep your weapon on him. Come on, boss. Talk to me. McGinnis, talk to us, please. Don't move. Stay down. What the hell? Oh, Jesus. What the hell happened? You hit me. Man, your British bedtime stories are powerful. You put yourself to sleep. No, seriously, who the mother of fuck hit me? And why am I naked? Who the fuck hit me and stole my bloody trousers? We needed to make sure you weren't affected. You just collapsed. No cause, no reason. I did? Oh, that explains a gun. And the nakedness. And, I guess, then... It does? My hitting didn't restore you, McGuinness. Your... your body rebooted. And don't ask me why I... I don't know. I'm about to reboot myself. Doctor, I've got you. Easy there, Doctor. You don't look so good. Both of you take it easy. We're all really stressed. We need to start winding down. Nice tat, by the way, boss. Thank you. Would you fetch me that bottle of Bombay gin from the bar? The blue bottle? Or if you could just find me some tonic and lemon juice, I'd be right happy with the world. Doc? That okay? What? Oh, I don't know. Probably not, but <coughs> I doubt my medical advice matters to you now that you're alive again. It does. I was actually getting it for you. 
Me? Uh, no. I don't drink. You need to. I don't have any anti-anxiety meds, and the oxy is in short supply. You're shaking like it's absolute zero in here. McInnes is wise, Doctor. At least in this matter. It's been a long, long day. Please, McInnes, just rest. Let me rest. Mr. Grant? Joe, can you help me ten bar? Wow, this is cool. Look at all the costumes. They're so shiny. What kind of plays do you think they put on here? Plays? This is like backstage at a theater. See? These chairs are where the actors get their makeup on. See? Look at the pictures. They're all dressed up. Don't you know anything? This is where girls take off their clothes and dance for fat guys in ugly suits. Nuh-uh. Where do you get those ideas? You don't got cable TV, do you? Oh, this wig is pretty. It's purple. Ha! <laughs> How do I look? Stupid. You look stupid. Hey, what's back there? I don't know. Closet? Potty? Potty? You call it a potty? Shut up, West. Let's go in and see. Turn on the light. Where? I can't see anything. I found it. Wow. Look at this mess. Like my sister's room. What's all this stuff? What's back there? Another closet? Oh, it smells bad. We should go get the grown-ups. What's under all these blankets? They're covered in... Oh... Oh, God. What? Let me see. The door! The door! It's not my fault. The lamp fell into it. Because you tripped and... What was that? I don't know. Came from the door at the back. Someone's in here. You think one's inside? Maybe they had a dog. Or a cat. Oh, no. I thought they checked every room. The door must be locked. We gotta get out of here. Please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus. Hannah! Help! In most of the stories I used to read, the movies I watched growing up, there were two groups of people you never killed off. Kids and the comic relief. I asked a film nerd buddy about this once because everybody making movies likes to talk about realism. And the reality I know is that funny folks and babies don't always make it. In life, the opposite is usually true. Buses don't stop and blades break when the target fits some caricature. What did your friend say? Escape is bullshit. I only want to know the truth, Mr. Peters. And I am in a unique position to tell you the truth about what happened in that room. I could tell you they lived happily ever after, 
I want to tell you that. I want to tell you that they were okay because if, if everyone reading it thinks it, believes it, it becomes fact. It becomes as real as anything else about that old world. This is why some people lie about their lives. They lie by omission or by constructing these elaborate hoaxes about themselves and their families. They hide behind the facade of their fancy houses and Facebook pages. So long as you think and believe something, that's the way it is. And what's more noble than wanting you or your readers to know that little Becky and little West grew up with us? And they even found their folks up at Santa's workshop and drifted away from me until the years later when we learned they'd graduated college, married very different but wonderful people, and did good things for lots of other people, made good babies themselves. It could be that they got the chance those other kids didn't have that day. That we all did our jobs instead of wallowing in the filth of our own souls, arguing and scheming against each other, seething in that endless pressure. And I could tell you they check in on me every so often. We talk about old Irish, Grant, the ladies. I'll tell Becky how much her little girl looks like her. I'll tell West's little boy a funny story about life on the road. They'll be patient and respectful of the old man because they know how much I meant to their parents. How us being there made sure they lived those great lives. But they didn't. Open the door. Something's blocking it on the other side. Out of the way, Doc. <clears throat> the room was a mess. Piles of blankets, dirty laundry, tumbled storage boxes. Made it hard to keep on top of things. We found Becky beside the door. Eyes open and staring into the distance. Her little mouth quivering like she couldn't think of what to say. Becky? Over in the corner, we spotted a leathery skeletal eater tangled in a drop cloth. Fresh blood soaked the cloth in the eater's hands. Becky, there you are. Are you, are you okay? That's a pretty purple wig. It's okay. Santa's here. Stay quiet while we take care of the... It's like we missed one in the sweep, Major. Becky? Come on now. Doc, the little boy, he's... Oh, man. No, not again. Becky? Baby girl? Is she all right? It was one of the few times I could look an eater in its dead eyes. Please tell me you're a talker. 
because I really need you to understand me. I guess you're just a common, dumb, slow rot bag, huh? As far as little Becky was concerned, Grant struggled against reality for a long time, until it was almost too late. Major? Sorry, Becky. I really am. Major? I'm so sorry, little one. Major! You are too good for this world anyway. the rest of that place apart, making sure there wasn't so much as a piece of eater anywhere inside. Shiva wandered away to one of the private cubicles for some time, alone. Sarge and Joe just kept watch, making sure no one went totally apeshit crazy. Ying never even came out from behind the bar. As soon as Grant was sure McInnes wasn't going to wig out again, every trace of every corpse was out and over the wall, he picked up a pub-sized bottle of tequila and started making sweet, sweet love to it. You just threw them over the side? Sounds terrible, I know. But it drew the eaters away from the loading dock doors and gave us some quiet time while they chewed up the rancid remains. That just sucks is all. Come on, Ken. Look, I don't know what the hell's happening in New York, and frankly, I don't care. Things are falling apart. There's a whole new world out west, and an enterprising kid like yourself would be the next... the next founding father. I'm not exaggerating. So the free states got it all figured out, huh? That's what I keep hearing. Every night on shortwave, I keep hearing more and more good things about Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho. They're in talks to join with Alberta and that other Canadian state to bridge a new republic with Alaska. We could saddle up and be there before the eaters start thawing in the spring. What do you think? If you don't want to be the next Daniel Boone or Steve Austin, how about the next millionaire industrialist? Seriously? What makes you think those idiots will be here come spring? Don't count out the Mama Grizzly. That president has something special. Hey! Where are they? Uh, where's who? Oh, there you are. There you fucking fuckers all are. That's where they all are, Major. Unless we missed another one inside. Shut your stupid face, General. Shut it, or I'll shut you. Hey, you fucking fuckers. Feast on this meat. Whoa, dude, easy there with the equipment. Holy shit, easy there. They're fighting. Why? Warm human scent. It smells alive. Foul, but alive. That's right, you stupid fucks. Eat each other. I'm going to drop a can of Sterno and let the ones left 
Burn slow. Watch it, man. There's a 30-foot drop. Don't bother. Anyone you'll burn will just be replaced by three more. Yeah. At least I know what I'm up against with them. You. Me? You use people. Take for yourself. You use people to death. Remember those little girls you turned into whores? Do you? I... I didn't. Don't even. And when they dared run away from you and leave that prison? What did you do? What did you do? You sent a fucking serial killer after them. Became highly recommended. You stain. I'm gonna rip your arms off. Oh, bullshit, Major. You still need me. And you fucked up enough today, huh? You don't want to kill the key to keeping the rest of those brats alive, do you? Huh? Oh, fine. Bring it. Shut the fuck up, Ying. Shut it! Merry Christmas. A happy end to a shit week. Major, Grant, it's not your fault. It's not. I don't know what happened back at his place. I don't know what Joe's role was, but... He came across his bounty hunter on the road. He caught three girls. Sisters. Barely old enough for homecoming. He tied them in razor wires and... Please. How many of your people went rogue, Grant? Are you responsible for everyone under your command? Yes. Yes, I am. That's why they gave me command. What would you know about that, you ten-star fuck? Whoa! Whoa! Grant! Joanna. Broden. Kylie. Michael. Jude. West. Becky. Just today. Who will we lose tomorrow? We're gonna lose Grant tonight if you go full Sith Lord on me. Come on, Grant. If an eater gets this bag of shit, I hope it's after we get the kids offloaded. Hate to say it, but we need him. At least for another 24 hours. Can you give me that? Can you give me 24 hours? Yeah. Yeah, I know. We can't manage this many kids. We're out of our depth. I can't take it back. I can't. Not alone. So, what now? There you go. Lord knows there are enough living people who deserve this booze more. But I'll take what I can get. Not liking that? Here, take my vodka bottle, too. Enjoy this.
And that's how you dealt with shit like that back then. You pissed on the head of your problems, set them on fire, and moved on. How do you like them apples, Mark? It's terrifying. Yeah, but it was how you got through it. I suppose McGinnis and the Doc had some similar way through the haze, because by the time I got back downstairs, they were asleep with the kids in the champagne room. Grant was sleeping on the bar, and Ying, Ying just waited out the night watching eaters burn. I remember crashing on the sofa in the manager's office, drifting in and out, worried that I might sleep through our deadline, sleep for a year or twenty. The eaters stopped pounding, and the place was pitch black. I probably slept but didn't realize the time passing. None of those answers Joe promised came of that deep sleep, and I didn't wake up with any new inspiration or new hope. I do remember waking up to sounds in the kitchen, seeing McGinnis with a camping lantern and then cooking something on the electric stove in a big drum. It looked like he was subbing for the witches in Macbeth after a while. Stirring and bracing his cauldron in the reddish glow of the burners, backlit by soft white light. It was kind of comforting to see something relatively normal, and I drifted away again. I woke a little later to the smell of cinnamon and the sound of conversation. Ugh! McKinnis? What's she doing up? What smells so wonderful? Breakfast. Last night I noticed the previous squatters had loaded up the kitchen with lots of oats, so I trotted out the big pot and tried an old family recipe for porridge. It's canned and powdered milk, but I found some sugar and cinnamon in the pantry. Enough for this batch, and we can take the rest along with us on the road. As the Americans say, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, yeah? There's some uncanned fruit to give it a little flavour variety. I know porridge can be a bit bland for people used to lucky charms and fruity loops or whatever crack-coated cereals were out there. Mm, the lost art of breakfast. You prepared all this for the children? Well, for all of us. Here, try a bit of it. Mmm, oh, that's thick. It's hearty. I recommend it with bits of dried apple or peach. Mm. What do you think? Oh. It's gorgeous. Mm. You know, my grandmother used to make a cauldron of this stuff when we came up to Inverness. Bland as sand. This? Oh, so much better. Inverness? That's my part of God's Islands. Don't know many from there, but the cross in the Ram pub there was warm on a cold, rainy evening. Would you continue to think of me as an inhuman bitch if I asked about coffee or tea in this place? I have instant coffee, but I didn't start brewing because I smelled what Rose Grant. I figure the days he's had lately. Yes. Indeed. I don't recommend the tea. Strictly American grade. Coffee is fine. You didn't look like a Highland girl. Where were your other grounds from then? If you haven't worked it out by now, McGuinness. Neil. Fine, Neil. I'm... Not big on talking about myself. I'd rather focus on my job, if it's all the same. Fair enough. For myself, I don't mind talking about it. 
Did you know, for example, that I haven't seen my daughter in over four years? There's a picture. She's very pretty. Nine, is she? Turns ten on Boxing Day. I had just secured leave to fly to London from Johannesburg to see her. Her mother and I split when she was two, and my impeccable social engineering skills got me shipped between asshole and armpit assignments. Elizabeth hadn't seen me more than two days in over five years. Last time I saw her, she didn't know me or want to spend any time with me away from her mother. Which is a shame, since her mother and I can't be within 50 feet of each other without trying to immolate each other. Elizabeth. Interesting choice of name for a Scotsman. Not really, since her mother's quite the proper British subject. The mother's name was Elizabeth. I wanted to name her... That's lovely, McGuinness. I'm sorry you missed her. I was on my way there when my flight was diverted to the Falklands. Didn't even know until they marched me off the plane. Next thing I know, Britain's under quarantine, and I've got orders to join forces in Toronto. Last thing I heard from Elizabeth was that she'd gotten a dog, Rufus, or... You have family in the quarantine, Doctor? I have. Over a hundred family members in India who I know for a fact are dead. I have 30 members across four generations who I haven't heard from since the quarantine. My family is my work. These children. Speaking of, I didn't thank you for bringing me back to life last night. As Grant might say, I'm much obliged, ma'am. <sighs> Lost dozens, gained one. A record any doctor should be proud of. You can't think about that. Can't I? Is that how you live your happy-go-lucky life? Cracking jokes and making light of all this suffering? No. I live my happy-go-lucky life by making breakfast for the ones I can help. Try to get them mentally and physically prepared for what's to come. Let me help. You can help me by making sure the horrible things that happened yesterday are not repeated. We lost too many yesterday to assuage our guilt with a pot of boiled oats and a pep talk. I expect perfection in your execution, group captain, and I expect that you deal with the incompetence of your second-in-command. I hold him directly and personally responsible for not securing this facility. Now, hang about, Doctor. And if you're serious about recovering from your many injuries and keeping sharp, you will empty that flask you've got in your jacket pocket and stay alert until we get these children safe. I am sick of you men thinking that this is some sort of macho survivalist camping holiday. Says a woman who works for a drunken idiot like Mr. Ying. What's he done for this lot, eh? Aside from herding and selling him like stock to someone he doesn't even know. You, you're just a doctor checking the prisoners the day before their execution. Exactly my point, you stupid git. If you cannot do this, step aside and I'll get us to an alternate site. You need to prepare, because the challenges aren't easier, especially if you're going to continue carrying the weight of the dead on your shoulders. <laughs> you and I have a lot in common. I had hundreds of men in my command. I lost all of them. Lost them to eaters, your Happy Valley militia, desertion, suicide, and, frankly, gross incompetence. Three months ago, I gave a Kenyan soldier orders to take point on our walk east from Pittsburgh, and he responded by casually removing his sidearm and blowing his own face off. Right there, 
at ease. I don't know where my last six scouts are. They probably took off when Grant and I went into that bunker with you and your people. So I know a little about loss. And if I didn't process it, I'd be shooting off my own face. Instead, I make porridge. And in a little while, the kids will forget a little of their pain before they rush out into the scary world again. Doctor, your hands shake and you don't sleep. You're like a wind-up toy that keeps walking into the wall because it's the only direction it knows how to go. You're going to keep going this way until something breaks inside your mind. You'll be lost. And I don't want to see that happen. We need you. Major Grant said you gave good speeches. It's not a speech. I'm asking you politely to stop walking into a wall. Change direction. If I wanted to feed you an ABC after school special line with a convenient plot point that turned me around, this would be it. Change direction. Wow. <laughs> so simple, huh? <laughs> Just abandon the program and write a new one. Be something new. We attacked the morning with a sense of resignation, like we were a family preparing for a funeral. Nobody really talked. The children, tired and a little uneasy about the run to come, didn't really dig into the mush McGinnis slaved over. The adults ate their fill, even Grant, who looked like someone backed over him in the 972. McGinnis asked me to help out with part of his master plan, and I did. I moved some furniture around and loaded the 972 up with anything we might need. I helped Ying strap boxes to the roof and said a bright good morning to our neighbors. In the night, the eaters had grown to damn near a thousand, all around the building and stretching back to the highway. There were so many outside, they mashed each other against the outside wall and were slowly creeping up the sides on top of each other like ants swarming a Twinkie at a picnic. The original plan of drawing the eaters in through the front door and away from the loading dock so we could go out to the van wasn't going to work. We had to abandon it and squeeze into the 972. All right, my lovelies. I'm glad everyone had a chance to go potty and fill their bellies this morning, yes? Good. I'm sorry that we'll be squeezing in with you, but the good news is our trip will likely be only an hour or so, and Major Grant has kindly agreed to make our ride as gentle and swift as possible. All right? Please, please, please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, particularly you near the door. When we move forward, Sergeant and I will shut the doors. You may see some ugly faces, but do not panic. Keep your wits and keep your seats, and we shall be moving along presently. I think Major Grant took a great amount of satisfaction in rolling through and over the mob. As packed as it was in back, no one wanted the shotgun seat up front. No one really wanted to see how bad things were. I needed the fresh air, so I went back up top to make sure we didn't pick up any hitchhikers. 
I watched our temporary shelter flood with eaters lured by the scent of our time there, with the piss and shit we'd left in open jugs outside. Drawn by our sweat and our blood, the stench of our lust and our hate and our pain. You know, in my day, this kind of story needed to end with a big explosion, burning those fuckers to dust. But there was no orgasmic release, just a slow grinding push through an unending riot of hungry walking dead. Like life, I guess. We just kept going. We changed direction. We moved forward and eventually we moved on. View. I guess that's why there's a picnic area up here. The owner of this place could come up here and look down over his creation and, I don't know, jerk off on it or something. Found a map to the amusement park in a dead man's pocket. I really hate to be a douche, but uh, I've got less than 36 hours to get back to Mockway. You're not a douche, Kenneth. We still think of you as an amiable jackass. Thanks. General Yang is a douche. Roger that. Well, let's see here. Slim Shimmer's amusement park and racetrack. A hundred acres of good, clean Christian fun. Nice. Shit. I thought there might be some notes on it to tell us where they're keeping supplies and stuff. Just bathrooms, rides, and funnel cake stands. Those pavilions look secure. And down there by the Ferris wheel, what do you see? Fresh laundry hanging out to dry on the line. Dry cigarette butts. Folding chairs. The looks lived in. Goddess bless the insurance industry. That's a hundred acres surrounded by steel fences, brick, iron bars, barbed wire, motion sensors, and even an interior perimeter fence. I'm shocked that there isn't a minefield between the fences. So, how do we get into this kingdom of heaven? Blow a hole through the fence? Skydive? Perhaps we could call them? That would make perfect sense, which is why we didn't try it. You have the frequency. No, but the general does. Good morning, fellow travelers. Wait, who's watching the kids? Joe. Jesus, you can't even keep the cast straight anymore. Hey, there's a ski lift or sky ride about a hundred yards along the ridge. Affirmative. <laughs> it's called the Rapture. The loading platform is boarded up. Not surprising. It runs down the mountain, then over the fences and the Trail of Triumph train tracks. General, would you mind punching in the administrative frequency into this phone? I don't like where this conversation is going. How the hell do you think we're going to get in there? Zip line all the kids? Let's go look at the platform. We don't even know if there's power. There you go, Doc. It isn't working. Are you sure it's right? No, it's right. 150.34 to 50. Who's coming with me over to the platform? We got to get this moving. There's nothing. They probably changed the frequency. I'll try the medical frequency. I know it's not the protocol, but... Hell, 
Maybe we can just wave at them. Hello? General alert. Keywords, general order one. Transfer, lemon, fish, Spartan. Pancake, toilet seat. Counter words, please. Looks like this was an escape route. There's a gasoline generator to run the lift at the top and bottom. Shit went south. I'm betting they were going to get up here to that truck and bug out. What truck? The one inside that truck-shaped hedge behind the platform. That's a small hedge for 200 people. Counter signs, please. Nope. Just the important ones know about it. Executive Golden Parachute. I doubt most people in there know about that, but good eye. Why aren't they responding? Countersign, Argon. Good afternoon up there. This is Dr. Van Hawkins. Hello, Doctor. This is Dr. Shiva Vesta with General Yingling of the Happy Valley Militia. Our site in central Pennsylvania was compromised. We have survivors, civilians. Who are the others with you? They're useful people. Vetted by me. How do you intend to do this? The gates are crawling with hostiles. You've been pondering the sky ride to your right with some interest. We've been watched this whole time. Does that shock you with this law? You'll just have to clear away the lurkers and a few of our booby traps to use it. Listen, guys, I have surgery looming. I'll turn you over to my able assistant. Balamani will guide you and your children home. Namaste. I'm glad we didn't just head straight over. Should have guessed it was trapped. Namaskar. Up under Pradesh Sehi. Your sniper is currently under surveillance by our own snipers. We recommend she turn her attention to our targets approaching your position and not opportunities within our compound. If she attempts to engage any targets within our fence, we will return fire. Good luck with that. Please move swiftly to avoid any potential contamination. Anyone who appears infected will not be admitted. They will be euthanized or returned to the wild. Anyone who disagrees with this should not board the Skyride car. If we meet any resistance, we will not hesitate to neutralize everyone or return them to the top of the hill at our discretion. Please enjoy your ride. Okay, so to recap, we take everyone on a half-mile ride down the mountain in a shaking gondola over top a nest of hungry eaters. You got it, Mickey. Well, that leaves no grey area, shall we? Allons-y! The Gucci's Chapter 8 starred James Baxter as Ken, Brian Lincoln as Mark, and Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Joe, featuring Ayub Koti as McInnes, Michael L. Stokes as Grant, Laura Nicole as Dr. Vesta, M. Sierro Garcia as Sarge, Ron Runeborg as Ying, featuring Orenthal Hawkins as Dr. Van Hawkins, and Julie Hoverson as Balamani Saravazzi with Renee Chambliss as Becky, Larry Bailey as West. Additional voices by Brian Lincoln and Veronica Jaguer. The episode was written by Jay Smith, show running and editing by Brian Lincoln, 
Production assistance by D.T. Kelly and Ginny Swan. Sound effects, sound design, mixing, and mastering by Michael L. Stokes. Musical direction by Michael L. Stokes and Jay Smith. Featuring original music by Michael L. Stokes, Kevin McLeod, and Admiral Bob. Used courtesy of the Creative Commons license. HG World is a production of 3015 North Studios, with content used with permission under the Creative Commons license. For more information on this production, visit us online at www.goodmorningsurvivors.com or join our Facebook page or follow Todd Rage on Twitter at HG underscore world.